Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden, and I am joined now for the second time by former Falcons fullback, Ovi Mahaley. Ovi, what's up, man? How are you doing? How's uh, life out on the West Coast right now treating you? It's good. It's good. It's, uh, you know, beautiful beach weather, nice sunsets, nice sunrises, so I can't complain. (laughs) It has definitely not been that here in Atlanta as tropical storms and hurricanes and just all the kind of nonsense uh, roll through here. So a lot of rain and then a lot of humidity. I was able to get out for a round of golf, though, on Saturday. That was nice. Thought it was going to rain a little bit. Um, But we are obviously going to talk a lot about the Falcons' second preseason game, um, another loss, but we'll break down who played well, who who maybe is kind of on the on the fence here a little bit, um, and just will we see the starters in the final preseason game because we've yet to see them. So we will get to all of that in today's episode. But first, let's hear a quick ad from today's sponsor. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win the championship, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Ovi. So as we talk about this uh, second preseason game, a 37-17 loss to the Miami Dolphins after uh, two joint practices in which, by all accounts, it looks like the Falcons fared really well. Calvin Ridley, a lot of highlights out there. Kyle Pitts apparently looked sharp. Um, The offensive line, I, I think, reportedly bounced back pretty well, which was something we wanted to see after the first preseason game. Um, but but what did you see in the game itself? Dolphins obviously won, but it's notable that the Falcons did not play their starters in this game. The Dolphins did for the better part of the first half, and it looked exactly as you would expect it to look. <laughs> it looked like <laughs> NFL starters against guys uh, <laughs> fighting to, to make a roster spot. Um, so... What what were your main overall takeaways from this game? Did you see what you wanted to see going in, or or what? Yeah, I, I saw some good things. Uh, there are definitely some some highlights of the game, but uh, maybe I, I'm just harder than guys because I, I know good. how big these preseason games are yeah. when it comes to preparing for the season, and when it comes to especially the guys in the bubble making a gosh darn team. So. I feel like you got to give your best. There is no time to say, oh, I'll do better next time. There may not be a next time for the majority of these players. So you've got to go out there and ball the heck out. 
And on the defensive side, I didn't think that they did a great job on simple, basic football elements like tackling. In middle school, you miss a tackle. All right, it's expected. You're learning how to tackle. In high school, you know, <laughs> yeah. you may miss a, a few, but they expect you to tackle because you're in high school. College, it's a mandatory. NFL, you better not miss a wide open tackle. You better not have your arms wrapped around somebody and forget to squeeze or take them down. That happened repeatedly yeah. with the Falcons. Yeah. You watch the games, you just were wondering at what point were they going to start playing like NFL players. And I get it, ones versus twos, but tackling is a basic you know, element of the game that you thought a Dean P's defense would, would definitely have wrapped up, and it, it wasn't. That was a little bit disappointing. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely was. It was notable. I think that the Dolphins did. This was a game where in a lot of ways, even though there is no scouting or game planning or, or to the level that you see for a regular season game, but not a great matchup um, for Atlanta's defense against Miami's offense. And again, factoring in that this was not starters against starters. Um, it's very different if Deion Jones is out on the field. Then I, that's a matchup that I like. Uh, because Deion Jones is able to keep up with guys like Miles Gaskin or Jalen Waddler or people like that. But the the Falcons' depth at linebacker is not filled with the same level of athlete that its starting group is. And I think, you know, one of the the guys that missed an open field tackle, Jacob Tuyoter Mariner, he's transitioning. He's a former defensive end who's now having to stand up and kind of make plays in space for the first time really in his career. And it's a learning process, you know, for him, it, it kind of is a little bit like going back to, to now college as, as the last time he probably open field tackled a ton in games. And so I think there are some growing pains there. It just Miami did a really good job of making those plays. And I, it was not as good of a game for the defense as obviously the first game was, but they weren't winning. They yeah. weren't winning the early downs. They weren't putting themselves in advantageous positions to do what a DNP's defense, I think, wants to do, which is blitz the hell out of the quarterback. <laughs> yeah. They couldn't do it. And, <laughs> and Tua ate him up uh, as a result. Um, but what about the offense? What did you see? We're going to get to the AJ McCarron of it all here in a second, but just uh, overall impressions of the offense. So I, I like the offensive line when it came to the run game. I like the fact they are moving bodies, I like the I fact agree. they seem to be working together. Uh, a little more uh, teamwork was shown. But I don't like the fact that on the pass defense, four sacks by one of the Dolphins players. Yeah. It, it and just, he had not, he had I, been I, out all week. He had been out with yes. COVID. He hadn't practiced all week. I don't know if it was you or somebody else who talked about, you know, maybe it was a tweet I saw recently. The Falcons are always making history, but on the wrong side of it. You know, everyone's always breaking records Dude, on yeah. us and the, uh, they're always uh, having these wonderful comebacks on us. Or they're always hitting these high marks. It's like the second time in NFL preseason history that uh, somebody's had four sacks in a game. Yeah. And I know he's happy, but the offensive line at three should have just said, you know what? This guy is not getting a one more sack on us. We're going to either focus on him or not double him, but just keep an eye on the guys who have success on us. And there's nothing we can do to stop him. So that's a little bit uh, disappointing when it comes to these backups are going to be playing and, you know, even some of the starters played, you want to know that they can protect your quarterback, whether it's uh, Felipe Franks or Matt Ryan yeah. or whoever, whoever we bring in. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, we'll get to AJ McCarron here in just one second, but it just stinks that, like you said, I think they did bounce back pretty well in the run game, which was the massive, I think 
weakness for that unit um, in the first preseason game. So it was nice to see them bounce back because then by proxy, we got a little bit of a clearer picture of the running back situation um, because you need yes. good offensive line play in order to really evaluate those guys. But yeah, it's just kind of, it sucks that now this week, it's the other side of the coin with the offensive line and pass protection. And unfortunately, that that lack of pass protection um, led to A.J. McCarron's season now coming to an end with a, a torn ACL, which is tough to see. I, I tweeted, I didn't expect to get... Uh, Kind of ratioed and roasted for this take, but but uh, <laughs> you got okay with Twitter. You got to always I, yeah, expect it. whether you're I, right. Or wrong. I've been I've been really fighting back against responding because I'm like, you know what? No, I actually believe this this take, and you guys, I like, I think I know more than you when it comes to this. So uh, I'm just going to leave it out there. <laughs> you tell but you tell um, it the the reason AJ McCarron's here. Like again, as we've said, if Matt Ryan goes down, so does this team. Uh, like they're they're. Yep. Fate follows Matt Ryan's fortune. And so AJ, AJ McCarron's not stepping in and, and taking you to a, a playoff run. So there, there's no real backup quarterback that they financially can afford right now that's going to save this season if Matt Ryan goes down. But you also want to invest in Matt Ryan because he's still the face of the franchise in, in his prime, um, maybe at the very end of his prime, but, but quarterbacks can play old pretty well in, into old age as we're seeing um the experience that aj mccarron has he's what 10 years into the league now he's played in a playoff game he can speak to the, yeah. the matt ryan's level in the quarterback room and that is why aj mccarron was on this roster it, it wasn't to just hopefully have to step in and play it's how can we benefit matt ryan as much monday through saturday as possible so that on Sunday, he and also benefit him on Sunday. A.J. McCarron can sit there and diagnose what's happening in real time just as fast as a starting NFL quarterback because he's been one before. And You're, you're absolutely right. Because uh, this thing, real quick, um, like Matt Schaub yes. and, and Chris Redman, when I was there, guys like Redman and yes. Schaub, they make the quarterback, starting quarterback, better just because on the sideline, and unfortunately as a fullback, I didn't play uh, 78% of the plays, so I played – at a good day, 50 to 60 percent of the plays, and so I'd be on the sideline next to the backup quarterback and watching him watch the yep. game, watching him when the starter comes out, Matt Ryan comes out. He's saying, "Did you see this? They got you know two high safeties. When they rotate, they usually do this. You're missing an open spot there." And so the backup quarterback works with the offensive coordinator and yes. the quarterback coach to be a you know just an asset to the starter. And A.J. McCarron could have filled in that role like a Schaub or a Redmond, but that's not something Felipe Frank no. can do or something young quarterback can do. So that is extreme value that is gone because, like you mentioned, they're not expecting A.J. McCarron to come save right. the day. Maybe just hold on to a lead, but he's not going to go out there and light it up and win you a game off of his arm. Yeah, and and so what I think people were responding to with that tweet specifically, um, because I basically said that he, that the experience McCarron brought to the table would have benefited Matt Ryan. Um, and that it's a shame and they, and he will still be there. Uh, he can still be around the facility. He can still help out in that way, but it's just different. And everybody was kind of freaking out about AJ McCarron's never been a good quarterback. What kind of experience was he going to bring? And that's Ouch. missing. That's Ooh. missing the point guys. Like he's still been in this <laughs> league for 10 years. Like there's a reason for that because usually yes. these career journeyman backups, which is a thing that exists in the NFL. Those guys are super great off the field. 
They're great in the meeting rooms. They're great at accepting that number two role because that is a role on an NFL roster is the backup quarterback has to be able to do X, Y, and Z to help the starter yep. prepare and be prepared themselves. In a lot of ways, it's a tough role. You got to do two jobs. And AJ McCarron could have done that. Felipe Franks right now is trying to learn how to be an NFL quarterback himself. He's not really ready to take more onto his plate to help Matt Ryan. Now, the Falcons are fortunate in that Matt Ryan probably doesn't need a ton of help at this point in his career. He's he's seen it all. Sure. He knows what he's doing. He's a, a veteran for a reason. He's a savvy veteran um, and he's a leader on this team. But the A.J. McCarron injury is just tough. So, Ovi, what do the Falcons do at QB here now? Because we know that they worked out quarterbacks Monday. Um, I always thought uh, a lot of people thought I think they were going to immediately announce a quarterback on Sunday. I thought Tuesday was kind of the right a transaction Tuesday. That's just when NFL teams make all their moves. B also teams had to cut down their roster to 80 players by Tuesday. So there's yep. going to be more players available for you to evaluate. They're evaluating which direction do we think they go in? Do they try to get another veteran for all of these reasons we just laid out? Or do they maybe get a young guy with upside like, like a Josh Rosen, a former high first round draft pick who's out there? I mean, do you bring him in and see if there's anything there? Which direction do you think they go? I love the the Josh Rosen high upside pick because you want somebody who feels like, you know, if the head guy goes down, the, the starting quarterback goes down, I could have an audition for the rest of these teams. Because, you know, Josh Rosen, he wants to get back in there. He wants to be a starter somewhere. Yeah. And very rarely in backups turns to starters, but they can if they show their value when their name is called, when the lights are brightest and when you have everyone watching you and when you need to do more than just hold on to a lead, but maybe just get one touchdown, you want that backup quarterback who can at least get you one touchdown. And Josh Rosen, I think, you know, has that uh, ability. Now, we know that Atlanta loves their Michael Vick years, and there's some <laughs> uh, calls for calling Pat Kaepernick. And uh, because of, you know, the mobile quarterback and being, you know, in a black city, but it's not going to happen. Our Arthur Blank is not going down that road. Uh, obviously, no NFL team is going down that road. As much as we want, want well, them there's to, no uh, way that Arthur Blank's going to bring any type of that extra draw. Like he no wants way. to win football games immediately. Like yes. he's not. Yeah, <laughs> I had an argument with somebody that, uh, the other day about that, about how you know Arthur Blank, you know, loved Vic, and he, you know, he they made up, and he's a guy who takes chances. I said, not this Arthur Blank, not the yeah. older Arthur Blank, not the. I lost the Super Bowl twenty to three, <laughs> and been chasing after you know that since that day, yeah. Arthur Blank. He wants to keep it safe. He got Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith is not flashy. He's not you know, a rah-rah no. guy. He's not using all the cliches. He's just about winning. That's what Arthur Blank is about. And Colin Kaepernick doesn't fit into that scenario <laughs> as much as a lot of people would love to see him get another chance in the league. Yeah, and, and I I mean, count me among those those people, but I just don't think that this is the, the right scenario. Because, I mean, you talk about Michael Vick. Michael Vick was a top three star in the NFL and looked like he was potentially putting together a, a, a Hall of Fame career at the first four or five years of his his career. And yep. that's a big difference than, you know, what what you're getting in in Kaepernick and, and then everything that that entails. Like Michael Vick was your yep. starting quarterback. He was the face of your franchise. You have that in Matt Ryan. So while, yes, you I would love it, for yeah. Colin Kaepernick to get another opportunity. It's just, do you want to be that team that kind of invites all of all of that in? Um, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
answer is no. But the, the Josh Rosen thing is interesting. It obviously would fly in the face of everything that we just said about guys like Chris Redman and Matt Schaub and AJ McCarron, which is what I think is valuable. But there's also something to be said about this would be the most talented offense Josh Rosen's ever been a part of. So if, if there is any reclamation to be had there, he's coming into a situation where it would really make or break probably the rest of his career. Like if you can't succeed on offense here in Atlanta with Arthur Smith as your play caller and Calvin Ridley as your number one option and Kyle Pitts involved, like it, that's going to be rough. Um, but again, it sucks for AJ McCarron. You really hate to see somebody kind of go like that. Um, especially in a preseason game uh, that that's just really tough. But we talked about going into this preseason game after last week. You wanted to see more consistency. Did you see that? And then how do we feel? We touched a little bit on the offensive line, but more specifically the run game, which got back on track in a big way. Yeah, no, I want to see more consistency. Um, I mentioned them consistently missing tackles, which was the wrong kind of consistency that I wanted to see. <laughs> but what I did like with the run game is that they were moving bodies. And again, as a blocker, as a fullback, I watched that intently. And I want to see if they're not just making contact, but they're moving bodies. If they're moving masses, creating running lanes. And they did that on the run, the run game. It was exciting watching uh, our running backs scamper, have some daylight, because we can't evaluate the quarterbacks if they're on their backs. We can't evaluate the runners, the rushers, if they're not getting at least you know, the ability to get to the line of scrimmage before they have to make cuts. If they're cutting the backfield, evading tacklers, yep. you don't know who's good and who's bad. They're all bad. <laughs> they can't uh, get to the line of scrimmage. So it is a chance to see some of the, our top running backs really show their stuff. It was, it was uh, really cool. Well, I think um, kind of an underrated aspect of evaluating running back play because – Yes, it it is a lot. I think the offensive line can play such a huge role. And we're seeing now these things where yards before contact, um, some of these metrics about how an offensive line benefits running back or vice versa. But to really evaluate fully a running back, you kind of, especially in this outside zone scheme, you need to be moving bodies because one of the key running back jobs is A, do they stay on their track? And B, do they read the blocks they're getting? So if you're getting yep. your offensive lineman's head is on the inside of a defender. You may want to cut that back yep. in as a, as a backside cut. If you've got them still on the outside, stretch that out because that's where the angle and the leverage is of the offensive lineman. So you can't see a running back process any of that. If that's not even happening in the first place, if these guys are getting hit a yard in the backfield, you don't know if they have that quality or who on game day you can trust to make the right read, the right cutback, which is so important in these outside zone schemes. So. I really liked the fact that we saw um, specifically Caleb Huntley and, and Javian Hawkins bounce back because they had rough first preseason games. Caleb Huntley led all running backs with 57 yards on six attempts. He had a 30 yard touchdown run. So really good to see that explosiveness and what he brings. And then Javian Hawkins also had a 30 yard run and finished with five uh, carries for 46 yards. So almost 10 yards a carry there. Um, Deontay Foreman got a one yard touchdown run on fourth down, which I really liked that Arthur Smith just said, look, preseason game, we're at the three yard line. If you guys can't score a touchdown here, we're in trouble and just ran the ball four straight times as a fullback. Uh, how exciting is that when your coach is just like, Hey, we're entrusting our run game. You guys get it done. Well, that, that was cool. That it was really cool to watch that. And it reminded me to my Mike Malarkey days. Uh, <laughs> I love Mike. Mike Malarkey, he was the biggest run game advocate that I've ever played with. 
uh, more than Brian Bills, more more than anybody. And with Brian Bills, we wow. had Jamal Lewis, and we were just like run, run, yeah, run, hands something. It is. He, he I, I think I may have told this story before. He used to have the first run game or first play almost always be a running play and almost always an ISO and almost always running behind me saying, oh, we set the tone because, you know, that kind of showed the defense type of ball we were playing. You know, it's coming. We're no, we know it's coming. And we're going to show you that we're the tougher team, man for man across the line, tight end, fullback included. And this is going to be the beginning of a very long day for you. <laughs> so our offensive line took that same mentality and, were not just moving bodies, but showing a little bit of that nastiness that I wanted to see with the Arthur Smith defense, our offense. Yeah. Uh, you don't have the amazing talent that is Derrick Henry and the Titans here, but you have somebody, our starters, that could be that good. But for him to be that good, the offensive line has to be even better. Yeah. And they've been uh, last week, last year, and uh, I think right tackle Caleb McGarry, uh, yes. he kind of showed that, hey, he came, he came to play. He only did two series, but... He's ready to be the starter that everyone wants him to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I heard whispers that, you know, even though most starters didn't play, he wanted to be out there. You know, there, there are some um, in the interviews saying that he, he wanted to be out there. He wanted to get that those reps and he wanted to show everyone what he could do, which is great because that that was my mentality. Every time I stepped on the field, especially preseason, I want to go out there and just hit. I want to go out there and get some <laughs> contact. I want to go out there and make an example out of someone. So it's that nasty mentality that I hope our office line is starting to uh, create. No, I, I thought Caleb played really well um, for his two series as well. Um, had one pass protection issue, I think, where where he kind of got beat around the edge. But no, having knowing him, having talked to him, that doesn't surprise me at all. That dude is is nasty. Um, he's he's really a throwback lineman. He loves to to just get after it um, with people, and he's also a big uh, video game enthusiast as well, Ovi. We had many, many talks oh. about uh, Skyrim and um, all, all these different uh, God of War, all that stuff. Um, Smart man. <laughs> real quick, do you have a, uh, a the connection? I just put it together between Brian Billick, you and, and Mike Smith. I mean, those are the two coaches you played for, and they're obviously incredibly yep. close. I mean, what it, was their connection? Did it have any reason why you ended up in Atlanta? No, uh, Mike Smith wasn't there. I was there during the infamous Bobby Petrino year, not years. Oh, you were, I thought you year. were there in 2008 as well. No, no I was still there. But uh, the reason I came there oh, was right. okay. uh, was Bobby Petrino. So that was <laughs> that was a, know, that's a cold, cold take. There is no reason why they should pay a fullback eighteen million dollars to block for work done who wasn't a power back. So it didn't even make sense to a lot of people, which is why I got all the hate mail when I got there. <laughs> But it made sense to me because I well, knew I was the best fullback. Didn't age well. Yes. I, I, I knew I was the best fullback in the league, and I was paid as the best fullback in the league. And I went to Pro Bowl at the best fullback in the league. And we were number one, number two uh, in the NFL for rushing. And it all worked out, but the first year was rough. Yeah. And I, I mean, I can't blame you at that time because the Falcons were one of the very top rushing teams in the league as well. I mean, a lot of that had to do with Vic, but. With with work done in TJ Duckett there, they uh, weren't any slouches. Um, no. All right, so let's let's get to the team meeting room. So this is you know after the game, everybody's crowding in, breaking down the film. You don't want to get called out. You do want to get praised in front of everybody, in front of your teammates. Uh, so who for you had a good uh, team meeting room experience Monday morning after 
Saturday's game. And so this is going to be um, interesting because it's it's good and bad. I'm gonna, I'm going to do a two part uh, answer. Okay. Our friend Caleb Huntley, you know the, the the running back who scored the touchdown, fighting to be you know one of the top three four running backs on the team, and had an amazing day. He had bursts. He broke tackles. He showed a little bit of speed. Uh, he was a, a power back and showed show, like he could be a little bit of scat back, but he put the ball on the ground. Yeah. So he's going to enjoy all that wonderful touchdown love. And, you know, I'm kind of break as a breakout star, but I don't care how good you are. You put the ball on the ground. You can't play. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm, I'm here um, out here in Cali. Well, uh, Stephen Ridley, he uh, was a running back with the uh, Patriots for a while. And he talked about how Bill Belichick, you know, with all the talent he had, he fumbled, not even in the game, in practice. And he would just shut running backs down. And probably watching the Patriots, anyone who follow the Patriots, you'd see any great running back would be sitting on the sideline if they fumbled the ball. And that's what Caleb Huntley did. He kind of showed the uh, you know, powers that be that, hey, I'm a great RB, but I might put the ball on the ground. Yeah. And most coaches are going to choose the above average to average RB who doesn't put the ball on the ground rather than the great RB who's going to drop the ball. Yeah. So he's going to have a, a, a rough, uh, you know, um, you know, film session if he hasn't fixed that. I mean, we even saw it last year with Zeke, right? One of the best running backs yep. in the league, but fumbling issues. And then the Cowboys kind of got a little uh, gun shy with Zeke towards the end of the season. But real quick, because, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here with a former NFL player, so I have no right to talk about my own uh, high school career. But <laughs> Sure you do. Go ahead. But, uh, I won't stop you. But I, I've, got a, I've got a story about fumbling. So my, my senior year, I played tight end all throughout uh, high school senior year there was a rash of injuries at running back and they eventually oh, called God. on me to uh to play running back uh so i practiced for one week and then they threw me into to the game my first run i blacked out it's one of those sports moments where you just like you, you just like don't, no not not like actually but i just don't remember really this play like it was one of those yeah. where just the snap happened and then everything uh-huh. got but and then like i but i gained like 12 yards on the first carry uh there you yeah. go I I was actually doing pretty well, but about like six, seven plays, we were putting together a drive. I fumbled the ball and the other team got it. I walked back to the sidelines and our starting running back, who was one of my good friends, came over, shoved the ball in my chest and said, hold on to this ball for the rest of the game. And that's what you got. That's how seriously even high school teams take it. I mean, you can't turn over the ball. Number one rule, the ball. So... You can't. It's uh, I think it was the old school. Uh, I don't, these young cats might not remember. I don't even know if you remember it. It's called the program. Remember that? It's a high school. It, it um, sounds yeah. It sounds familiar. It's called the program, and the uh, running back had to hold on to the ball throughout. You know all of his classes, and his teammates were trying to knock it off, and they can get the ball, give it to the coach, so he got in trouble. <laughs> I do that a couple of times in my high school career because early on. Um, I, I didn't play organized football till like seventh, eighth grade. So by uh, ninth grade, I was playing with the varsity and it was a, oh man, um, basics like holding the ball and not swinging it when you yeah. run. I, I didn't have that three dab points of so contact. Yeah. Yes, all that good stuff. I felt more than I wanted to. And it's the worst, it's the worst feeling yeah. having the whole team look at you with <laughs> disgust and disdain and you lost the game because you couldn't hold to the dang ball. So uh, I've worked on that more than anything else. And especially as a fullback, you don't get many chances oh, yeah. to, to carry. The ball. So 
So you can't. Bump so him. so Caleb Caleb Huntley's getting those looks on on Monday. But as you said, he also had a had a touchdown run, a really good uh, a good scoring play there. So yeah. he's your good and bad, which is unique. Um, yeah. All right, my good are two players: Jalen Hawkins and Michael Walker, two second year players who I'm going to admit when they were drafted in that draft class, those were I think my two least favorite picks, and I'm was completely wrong about wow. that. I'm coming around. Uh, I love watching both of these guys and I'm man enough to admit uh, my bad takes. So Jalen Hawkins <laughs> had uh, just has had a really good preseason so far. He had a sack in the first game. He made a lot of really nice um, tackles, just was really good in coverage in this game. And then Michael Walker, another player who uh, I think expectations are pretty high for him in his second year after a really good rookie season made a huge play in coverage against uh, Savian Ahmed, who is a really interesting young running back. They split him out wide. They ran just kind of a, a go route towards the um, sideline. Michael Walker was right in position, didn't commit the defense pass interference, put his hands up almost like he was blocking a, a shot in a basketball game and, and just planted his feet and didn't take the foul. Uh, so I thought that was a great play. That play and Richie Grant's play on fourth down are the two plays that I actually yeah. care about from that game because those are two players who are going to be playing when it matters, and those were two really good plays that you will see in actual NFL games on Sundays, and they made those plays. So, no, it's true. That, that, that's definitely true. Uh, if we have honorable mentions, uh, I'd say the fact that Felipe Franks had a huge opportunity to take advantage of Agent McCarron being out and him being the guy. Like he could have wrapped that up. Yep. And he played, it, it was slightly better than last time, but he still ran more than I feel like he should. Even when he ran, he could have still thrown the ball. Yeah. He didn't. He did what was comfortable. He ran the ball and didn't wow anybody. And the offensive line letting four sacks happen, that, that's like a collective uh, dunce hat for the whole uh, O line that showed that they can, you know, uh, run block really well. Right. The pass protection just wasn't there. And, the Falcons should stop having all the uh, <laughs> records being broken on them. It's it's a bad habit. <laughs> can I can I tell you my problem with uh, with Felipe from this past game? Sure. I'm I don't think he throws a catchable ball, uh, and I I think that that's you know I, I how many passes did you catch in in your career? I caught uh, a few and enough. I actually uh, I caught like I was the Second or third most catched by fullback in 2006 when I was coming from the Ravens to the Falcons. Steve McNair threw to me more than uh, Jamal Lewis. And in Atlanta, once Matt Ryan realized I got these hands, <laughs> um, I can catch better than Michael Turner. I got a lot of catches. So how important and is it for a quarterback to throw a catchable ball? And could you maybe describe how you would define a catchable ball? No, it, it's very important. And I think the um, announcers, the, the color analysts even mentioned a couple times where if the guy's five, seven yards from you, you don't throw a bullet. It's not yep. like uh, to show how hard you can throw. You got to throw the ball for the situation. You know, and so you have to leave the defenders, I mean, leave, I mean, leave the receiver sometimes. You have to put it over the right shoulder or the left shoulder. And he sometimes just wanted to hit that target in the middle, which yep. isn't always the best thing. If you're an elite, an elite quarterback, if you're an NFL quarterback, you should be able to, to place the ball, you know, top shoulder, high above this place, you know, lead him a little bit. And it seemed like Franks was just happy to try to hit the target. Yeah. So he, he wasn't 
throwing it at the right speed, at the right angles. And these are the the minute details that determines whether you can survive in this league. Yeah, I mean, I think even the missed opportunity at the goal line with Tajay Sharp running that slant, um, that's Tajay. He's a veteran. He's been in the league. He's an established NFL player. It's not like he can't catch balls. It's not like he has bad hands. I think that was a situation where Felipe saw slant and just thought, I'm going to rifle this ball in there as fast as I can at the goal line before anybody, you know, Malcolm Butler's this. And just uh, he threw too hard of a, a too hot of a pass and Tajay couldn't hold on. So that was a missed opportunity. Um, my so my bad from this game is Errol Thompson. And, you know, we, we talk about the importance of guys trying to make this roster who are on the bubble. He's somebody who's in that competition with kind of Emmanuel Ellerby and uh, Dorian Etheridge for maybe that last linebacker spot. And we also talked about kind of the Miami players in space and these missed open field tackles. I think he really kind of struggled in that area in this game and also particularly in coverage. He just looked um, a step slower than everybody that he was supposed to be covering. It didn't look like he had a great feel for these zones and and where to kind of be um, in the zones. And so it was, it was just a tough second game for him, but he's somebody who's been making noise in training camp. Um, so that's why I think it was even maybe slightly more bad than it would have been otherwise. Cause it seems like he's been having a good camp. Here's a question, Will. Do you think he makes the team, even with this performance? I don't think so right now. And that's terrible. Man, I feel it. It's like the Grim Reaper is just, because there's three games and not four, you can hear him coming around the corner. And all these guys making or not making these plays are feeling the weight yeah. of that yeah. decision. I don't think they decide to, but you know the fact that they're, they're missing a play, not taking advantage of an opportunity. These small things are going to determine whether they get a chance to play out there, their, their lifelong dream, their childhood yeah. dreams. And it just, it, it, sucks. I, it sucks that <laughs> you can be the best player in the world, but if you don't show up when the lights are on, if you don't show up when everyone's watching 80,000 fans, you know, millions watching on TV, then you can't play in this league. And there are guys who have all the skills, but may have had just a bad game. This is the wrong game to have a bad game. I mean, you, even with four preseason games, I think our, it was a 2018 uh, preseason. Reggie Davis was in his second year and had a really good second and third preseason game. Um, and then we were all sitting here kind of thinking he was a lot to make the roster. The fourth preseason game, I think he had like four or five drops and, and got cut. And, and it was like, it, no matter how, like he had played, so he was one of these standouts of camp. And had one bad game. It just so happened to be the game right before the decisions get made. And yep. he paid the price for that. So yeah, you, you never wish or hope for any of these guys to be making these mistakes. They're working their asses off to get out there, to, to make these plays, to get a shot. But, you know, again, I'm just, I, I'm calling it kind of like I see it. And I, I wasn't uh, a good you, game. You have to. You have to. Terry, Terry Fontenot and, uh, you know, the whole uh, Falcons organization. Uh, I mean, you watch the hard knocks. It's not easy. Who was it? Yeah. Um, our favorite guy, I think, was the, the Lions um, uh, head coach, the one who's like, Dan uh, Campbell, uh, you know, bite the bite the he, he called himself, he's like, Yeah, I'm an asshole because <laughs> he cut like the long snapper on his birthday when he turned like 40 or something or 38. Uh, it was something like that. Hopefully, I'm getting it right. But it, they got to make these really tough decisions on guys that you like. Uh, it was just every year we really. 
you know, took a liking to some guys who had a great story or, or you know, um, you know, uh, HBCU kid or went to Division two, Division three school or somebody who just, you know, did all the right things, worked really hard. Yeah. You want to keep them on the team. Maybe they come back to practice squad, but you you hate watching guys see their dreams die and be the reason for that. I, I couldn't be the Turk. I, I have trouble sleeping at night knowing how many dreams I kill <laughs> just with my words. Bro, my 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 desk up in Flowery Branch, they would walk the guys right behind my desk on the way to oh. the GM's office. So oh. like multiple times a year, it, definitely on roster cutdown day, just like 30 guys crying just want yeah like the saddest walk of their lives and i'm just over here just like pounding away on the keyboard writing some like dumb like takeaways from camp and these guys are like dreams are coming yeah and then also just the other worst would be like injuries and and guys kind of getting cut on tuesday and and things like that but um so we've talked a lot about these fringe guys for whom this preseason is so important let's transition now and talk about the starters who we have not seen yet this oh, preseason. Yeah. Will we see them yep. at all? We got to. <laughs> we have to. This is so weird, Will. Um, I don't know if this is the right strategy because as you see with the Dolphins and other teams around the league, some teams play their starters, not the first game, but definitely the second game, maybe the third game, just play them a little bit and rest them up yeah. because the game before regular season, which was the fourth preseason game back in the day when I played ball, was the starters don't yep. play – Rest up, get ready to you know have a 16 game season. But now that the season is 17 games, having your starters roll right into the season with I mean, you can't play them a quarter. You have to play them at least a half. You know maybe three quarters, but at least a half. Having them roll into the regular season as an 18th game or 17 and a half game. I don't know if that's the best strategy, but the Falcons are obviously going with that. No starters first two games. Starters play this the third game. But see, so I, I did think that we would see a lot of uh, disparity between the approaches for all the teams because NFL teams love conformity. They love kind of knowing the answer. They love seeing, well, this team is doing this, so we're going to start doing that too. Um, I don't think teams really like it when there's something new for the first time. And three preseason games, we're seeing some teams are taking one approach. The Falcons are obviously taking another approach. Um, but I, I wonder, I have a theory that obviously for the Falcons, the Falcons best chance to have success in 2021 because of their lack of depth is to stay as healthy as possible and for their starters to play as well as possible. Are they just saying we're punting on this preseason? (laughs) We just want to make sure that we get to week one with our starting 22 on the field. I mean, is there a chance that that's the approach? It could be, but I don't think that's a great approach because the reason starters don't play the fourth game is anybody who's nicked up on the second game or the third game, you can heal up and be ready to yeah. play, you know, game one. That's an extra bye In week. This scenario, we don't have an extra game if you play the starters, which you have to because they have to have a dress rehearsal this next game, and someone twists the ankle, someone, you know, gets a shoulder, uh, uh, you know, sore. You got to tough it out and go right into week one. And there is no break into the bye week. So I don't know if this is the right uh, way to do things. Uh, We're going to find out really soon, but I'm excited. When I say I'm excited, I'm excited to watch the full squad together. Like like, there's no more, oh, that's the ones versus twos, or that's not the best Falcon can do. No, we're going to see 
a little glimpse, not, not all the bells and whistles, but we're going to see a glimpse of our 2021 Atlanta Falcons <laughs> with Matt Ryan, Kyle Pitts, you know, and Calvin Ridley and that high-powered offense. But more importantly, to watch how all the coaches are going to work together to lead the starters to a win. Because the wins and losses don't matter. But you want to win the, the first half or win the quarters your starters are in. Yeah. And hopefully we uh, we, we show that because it's so much confidence that, that, that comes. I know it's a preseason game, but it's, <laughs> it's a nice confidence boost when you know we went out there, we handled business. Our dress rehearsal is the tip of the iceberg of how dangerous we can be. That's, that's how we felt going into the regular season. We had a good preseason game. Yeah, no, that makes that makes a lot of sense. What if we find out that this was just like some marketing ploy to get the starters to play while they're at their home at the home stadium? They said, no, 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 yeah. we're playing in Miami. The starters aren't playing then. We're, we'll bring them back home and then we'll play them. Um, but I, I'm curious. So you've played you've played in these preseason games. How important are they actually for players for starters? It's it's good to get the uh, you know just get the cob knock the cobwebs off because playing against your own team and knowing you can't go all out I can't you know do what's necessary in a game in practice I can't hit like back in the day Curtis Lofton and dump him on the ground I can't go full out like, I, I'll hit him have a good thud but I knew I couldn't finish him and not training your mind to go all the way always having to hold up is bad habits because your body goes into autopilot at certain times when you're tired and things are moving and our chaos is around you. If you don't just condition your body to hit a certain way, to finish a certain way, to, to run at a certain speed, it's, it's hard to make that happen when you need it to. So I love preseason games as a tune-up. Uh, I, I loved it um, just to you know get to where I feel like I needed to play. But then I wanted to get out because especially – Later on in my career, I knew what I was capable of. I knew what I could do. <laughs> I didn't need that much uh, of a dress rehearsal, but I, I did want to go out there and bang around before the season started. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I actually, I always feel bad for uh, pass rushers in like training camp and throughout the season because they are the one thing, like they literally can't do their job. They can't hit the quarterback. And, I mean, yep. we saw that in Hard Knocks is, this past week, like yep. don't hit the quarterback. So it, they definitely have a weird mental thing where it's kind of like, all right, I get 75% of the way there. And then I just duck off <laughs> and I don't, don't take down the quarterback. And you see it sometimes, I mean, shoot, uh, Felipe Franks almost got his head knocked off because the quarterbacks get so used to the uh, defensive players, not hitting them. Yeah. When he had that long run, he should got out of bounds. Like he was lucky. The defender didn't take his head off, but defenders are so scared of hitting quarterbacks or hitting players uh you know the wrong way it, it's kind of hampered or handicapped uh you know the, the league i think in a certain way but but no i think defensive ends they they almost forget until a couple games in i can go full speed i can hit the quarterback i gotta wrap up because <laughs> you can't really tackle to the ground yeah. uh, that much in practice especially now wrap and roll um so outside of the maybe the or if, let's say the starters do play um, and let's say they play quarter and a half. What are you looking for from them? Because obviously we have not seen them yet. Uh, so everything, all of our opinions about the Falcons this preseason are about the Falcons second and third teamers. We don't know anything <laughs> yes. about the actual Atlanta Falcons in 2021. Nothing. So We're what would you want to see from them 
uh, if they say, like, let's say they play about 20, 22 minutes in, in the final game. I want to see everything that we've been looking forward to, everything we've been talking about with this new regime, with this new uh, OCDC head coach, GM, you know, the new squad, the new faces. And it's not about cliches, not about brotherhood. It's about <laughs> winning games. And I feel like the temperament, that that no-nonsense temperament that Arthur Smith brings to the table needs to be on display through the players and, uh, you know, throughout the game. I want them to just go out there and don't talk me off fast and physical. Show me fast <laughs> and physical. Show, show me, you know, that we're going to be a by-the-book, gap control, you know, flying around the ball defense. I want to see people get to the quarterback. Get to the, quarterback. the same way that they did four sacks against us. Not that I'm not any four sacks, but give me one or two. Give me yeah. the stars who are supposed to – Get to the quarterback. Show me that they can. Show me that they can disrupt. Grady Jarrett, you know, and, and our defensive line look like on paper they can be one of the best lines we've had in a while. So let's not just keep that on paper. Let's show that during the game. So I, I really want to see execution. I really want to see some of these uh, seasoned vets go out there and show the young guys how to do it. I want to see some of our, our younger starters um, really go out there and show why we drafted them, why we brought them to this organization. I just want to see us uh, win the quarter or win the quarter, the half uh, that our starters are in. Yeah. And I think, I think an overlooked part of this is how beneficial it would be for some of these younger guys, some of these second and third teamers to get some reps next to Brady Jarrett, to get some reps next to Deion Jones or Deron Harmon or whomever, because in, in the regular season, that's probably if they're rotating in, they're going to be next to those guys. They're going to be next to the starters. So when you're only yep. playing with second and third teamers, the, the things that John Kaminsky is going to do are going to be different than the things that Brady Jarrett is going to do. Um, is there, so you just, you just need those live reps to get a little bit of that chemistry. Um, and that's obviously more important at some positions than it is others. But I, I agree with you. I want to see the identity of the offense and the defense kind of shine through if, if they do get out there. You know, I want to see an efficient offense. I would love for them to get down into the red zone so we get a look at kind of what the red zone um, aspect of this offense would look like. Defensively, uh, I, right there with you, I'd love to see more of a consistent pass rush, especially maybe from the interior. And then I would like to see A.J. Terrell. I really want to see A.J. Terrell. Um, I mean, I think <laughs> yeah. he's been kind of the standout player from, from this camp. Um, he's, he had a great rookie year. He, I think showed a lot of guts just as a, his whole rookie year, he was going up against usually the best receiver on the, I mean, he played Keenan Allen. He played Justin Jefferson. He played Michael Thomas. He yeah. played Mike Evans. He played DK Metcalf, like just the who's who of wide receivers last year and did pretty mm -hmm. well as a rookie. And, and so I would just want to see him out there for for a little bit of time before everything matters. But the good thing is, regardless of if we see them next week or not, we're only two weeks, three weeks away from actual NFL football again in our lives. And then it's a yes, yeah, exciting. It, it is so exciting. Uh, swaggers. I think AJ Terrell brings a swagger that you want our whole defense to yes. have. And I, I think that if we can get our secondary, because good lord, our secondary is in bad year after year after year. 
uh, it's actually embarrassing to look at what we've ranked the last couple of years when it comes to secondary and defense overall. Yeah. So 2017, DB, last good, last actual oh, good year, I think, for the defense. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. So to, to have, you know, some moxie, some swagger, have the guys kind of feeling themselves a little bit, get a little cocky. That's what I want to see with the Falcons defense, because if they can't have that, that attitude and have that chip on their shoulder, they're not going to be able to play against some of the shoot. We don't even go out the the, the, the division. We have some <laughs> crazy <laughs> wild offenses in the NFC South that will give us all the trouble we need. And our defense is going to have to play them twice and they're going to have to stand up to them. And I, I think AJ Terrell kind of lead that pack. I absolutely agree. Um, all right. So that's kind of all the on field football talk for today. But the final thing that I, we wanted to kind of touch on before we get out of here um, is some vaccine related news. <laughs> the uh, the Pfizer vaccine was FDA approved. Um, also, on a related note, the Falcons became the first uh, fully vaccinated team in the NFL. So I think yeah. it's real kudos to that organization. Um, that's all. I think hats off to Matt Ryan, who early on was a big kind of vocal proponent of getting vaccinated. And again, when the face of your franchise kind of makes a stance like that, it echoes yeah. throughout the locker room. Um, so, Ovi, I mean, I, I know you're really involved in in just kind of health in general and, and kind of getting the word out on, on a lot of those things. So what was your reaction to the FDA approval and the Falcons news? Well, I was excited. You know, I was really, really happy that um, my team was able to to make history on the good, <laughs> in a good way. You know, there you that. go. <laughs> in a good way. And I was also very aware that there were uh, a couple, a handful of players who didn't want to take the vaccine, but it shows Matt Ryan's leadership. And it shows the respect that players have for him because you know that he had that conversation with them and probably went something like, you don't want to hurt this team. I'm not going to let you hurt this team. If you get <laughs> COVID, you bring it to the locker room, even if we're vaccinated, and we have to forfeit a game because you don't want to get vaccinated. I don't care what your reason is. And there are all types of reasons out there. And I, I get it. Everyone, you know, their body, their choice. I, I understand where they're coming from. But not when you have responsibility to your teammates, not when you're, you're in an organization, when you're, you're part of something special that you, you really want to protect. I, I feel bad for the other teams in the NFL because, God forbid, they lose a game because they felt like, you know, it's a microchip in your body or it's not, you know, safe or whatever reason they have for not taking the vaccine. It, it's going to really show their commitment or lack of commitment to the team. So I, I'm happy the Falcons have got, you know, their stuff together. It's going to be interesting to see now that, you know, Pfizer came out with the full FDA approval, you see uh, military and governments and all types of uh, corporations now making the vaccine mandatory immediately. Yeah. Now, I don't think the NFL is going to do that because they probably would have done it already, but it'll be interesting to see how much more pressure the NFL and its teams put on the players who are not vaccinated because of whatever reason, now that it's got that full FDA approval, I, I'm curious to see if more players get it. Yeah, no, I, I definitely will as well. I got the Moderna vaccine, so I was team Moderna. I guess Pfizer beat us to the uh, to the punch there with the FDA approval, I'm but it's okay. Pfizer. I 
I got Pfizer in my body. We'll, so uh, all right, yeah, you won I, this. I, I, you won I, this I, round. We'll 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 come back. We we'll get the the Delta variant strain. Uh, Moderna. We'll I know right? we'll get you. But uh, no, I, I think that's a great point because the this time of year, especially especially preseason preseason training camp, it's all about buy in, right? It's getting your players all on the same page. A collective goal, yep. you know, not necessarily messages plural but like a message about here's our goal our identity for this season and that really can be fractured and splintered in a lot of different ways if you've got guys who they don't anticipate hurting the team but if you avoid getting something that is proven to prevent and be effective in uh you know lowering your chance of severe illness in, in getting a vaccine if, if you're going to decline to get that Again, it's unintentional, but like there's a chance that you really could hurt your team. And we know now the NFL, if they're unable to reschedule games, whichever team was the reason for a game being postponed, they're going to be counted with a loss. That's a loss. And that is going to be super impactful. Um, What if you are one game away from making the playoffs? You're one game away from, you know, getting to that next level. You're going to feel terrible. And for the guys who... They, they don't know what's in their gosh darn toothpaste. They take things, supplements, they're taking pills, <laughs> all types of stuff that's not FDA approved to make excuses. And, you know, some people it's political, some people it's ignorant, some people it's just misinformation. To make excuses to put yourself in a situation where you can mess up your dream and, and others, it's just, it's just asinine to me. So, I, I, frankly, I, I don't get it. My, you know, my dad's a doctor, my sister's a doctor. I, I work in the, in the medical field and I, I know that there are so many people who decided for whatever reason not to take the vaccine that on their deathbed in the hospital wish they would have taken that. So yeah. I, I just don't see why people would play Russian roulette with their lives and, and especially NFL players that can not only change their lives, but change their family's lives for generations. You, know, you don't know if you being on a team let, lets you have a Pro Bowl season, you know, get a new contract, all that stuff you would throw away because you don't want to get a shot in the arm. The, the best ability is availability. They'll say yep, it all the yep. time. Every coach says it. the best ability is availability, hands down. If you're not on the field, you can't help the team. Also, uh, you can reword that and you can't make the club if you're in the tub or from the tub, right? <laughs> I, I always <laughs> love that one better. Can't make the club from the tub. Um, but no, I mean, uh, a big part of kind of the uh, mythologizing of like the American athlete is the amount of sacrifice that these guys at every single level have, have put in to get to where they are to earn this spot. And it, yep. it's just kind of weird then that it's like, okay, you could, if you're, if you don't want to do this, consider this just another sacrifice to help your team exactly. win, to help, oh my God. To, to help you make your dream come true. I mean, we we're seeing guys get cut because of this decision. I mean, is it worth that really? Especially when it's kind of the thing people should be doing anyway. Anyway, like, yes, it, it's 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 a win-win. Is that your your status with the team? Your chances of making a roster go up, maybe not go up, but they just don't go down. And then you're also protected from a uh, something that has created a pandemic for the past year and yeah, a half. It, it, you also, you know, because some of these guys in the NFL, they're they do have strong immune systems. That's why I hear, you know, oh, I got strong immune system. Oh, I'll, I'll beat it. Oh, I'm young. Oh, I'm strong. Yeah. You know, a lot of strong young people have died, but, you know, even if they do uh, pass, I mean, they're fine and they, they recover. 
the chance that you can give this to somebody else, your, your wife, your kids, you know, someone who doesn't have a strong immune system and kill them and you're fine. Why would you want to live with that? So yeah. I, I'm, I'm not here to tell anybody what to do or, or to, you know, get on a soapbox. But, you know, if you're an athlete and a player, sacrifice is part of this game. Sacrifice is, is part of how you even got here. So to say I'll sacrifice time with my family, I'll sacrifice, you know, eating the foods I want to eat, I'll, I'll sacrifice, you know, um, my, my body, but I won't make this sacrifice. It just doesn't make sense to me when you're so close to your your dreams. Yeah. And and it should be noted, you know, just just for the sake of um, balance, fairness, that even if you are vaccinated, there are breakthrough cases where patients who are vaccinated have gotten infected um, and they can spread it to others. But there the research has shown that the vaccinated people are far less likely to develop severe um, outbreaks from the result of, of covid or severe symptoms. And ultimately, vaccines are all about reaching a threshold. Once you get that herd immunity, once you get a majority of, of the country vaccinated, all of history tells us that these diseases are far <laughs> less effective at spreading. They, they can't survive once you do this. So, you know, that, that, yes, you can still spread it. Yes, you can still get it if you are vaccinated. But there's much more to that story. Um, and, and I will say, I think the Falcons last year, they, they got praised for the way that they handled um, kind of the pandemic and all the protocols. I w- had the experience of going through said protocols. Um, we would every, every single Monday, all of the staff and, and for the players and coaching staff and those guys who were tier one, they did this every single day. And it was brutal because I saw the schedule and, and some of those guys, some of the support staff, the video team, those guys had to be there at 545 every single morning to wow but the get tested yeah but the procedure like the it was so fast literally you pulled up everybody had 10 minute windows like a group of 20 people at a 10 minute window pull up drive up park next to the the curb walk in they assigned you a person literally just swabbed your nose said thank you you were gone and you got your results uh three days later or actually no within 24 hours it was the next day uh letting you know whether you were positive or uh, or good to go. Um, so that was really interesting, a, a part of uh, last year, because um, I I was fortunate enough to know whether I had it or not every single week. Um, That's good. But it was it was definitely, I think, inconvenient. And then, of course, the Falcons have the dorms. So they they kind of already had a self ability to isolate. We know they didn't use the, the locker room last year. Everybody got dressed in their dorms, all that stuff. So I think from the beginning, the Falcons have been really pretty good in their response to dealing with COVID. That's good. You know, I, I really um, appreciate uh, the organization taking it seriously because I, I'm just really happy that as far as I know, uh, the NFL didn't have any uh, their players um, lose their life from playing football. Yeah. And it was a, a tough decision. Guys were opting out and, you know, people were asking me, what would you do if you were playing during the pandemic? And I said, it, it, it all depended where my life was. I was I at the end of my career, the beginning of my career uh, with my wife pregnant. You know, these these things played a factor and guys made some tough decisions. Guys who chose to sat out and, you know, some of them didn't get their jobs back. So it was a, a tough year for everybody around. And I'm just happy that, you know, we have uh, we have hope. We have football. We have fans. And uh, <laughs> we hope we have a Falcons team that's going to show us something because, like the Atlanta Hawks did, they didn't have many expe- much expectations on them and played free. 
people did not expect the Hawks to almost go to the NBA Finals. And people definitely don't expect the Falcons to even make the playoffs. So with that lack of expectation, hopefully we can go out there and spread our wings and, and just fly. Go out there, have fun. You know, <laughs> football's always more fun when you win. Let's have fun, fly around, and win some games. I'm, I'm really excited for this third preseason game, really excited for the season because it's been a long time since the Falcons have had good, watchable football. And with this new regime, I, I think that we can bring that back. Hell yeah. OV from Ice Tray to Matty Ice. Let's keep this magic going, man. Um, all right. Well, uh, this, this was awesome. That That's kind of our breakdown of the third preseason or second preseason game, our preview of the third. Uh, before we get out of here, today's episode was presented by Bet Online. Um, if you enjoyed the show, please uh, subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell the people you hate, um, tell the random lady you see at the grocery store every week. Uh, let everybody know. Spread the word. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Will McFadden. OV, OV underscore Mahaley 34, correct? Yeah, at OV Mahaley 34. No underscore. No underscore. Okay. At OV 34. I'll get it. I'll get it next week. Um, but yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be back next week, breaking down the third preseason game and previewing roster cuts. And then it's real. And then the, the bullets are flying for real, everybody. We've, uh, yes, sir. we've got actual yes, sir. NFL football right around the corner. So, Ovi, thank you so much for, uh, for joining me today, man. And uh, enjoy the California vibes for, for as long as you got them. Will do, boss. Appreciate it. All right. Take care, man. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.